Welcome to FinTech in the Cloud with AWS, your direct line to the founders, investors, and startups who are shaping the ever-evolving world of FinTech. I'm your host, Sakine Damanga. Happy holidays. I hope you're spending quality time with your loved ones this holiday season or getting some rest at minimum. Now, season one of the podcast is completed. Having said that, we thought we'd share a bonus episode with A55, a financial underwriting platform used to offer a credit line system to companies with recurring revenue based in Brazil. Latam in general has been going through a bit of a renaissance as it relates to the financial services ecosystem. And on this episode, we take a glance into the fintech trends that are recurring in Latam in general, but also in Brazil, and how A55 is part of this renaissance with co-founders Andre Silva, who is also Chief Technology Officer, and Andre Veta, who is a co-founder, but also Chief Business Officer. Enjoy and happy holidays. See you in the new year for season two of FinTech in the Cloud. Hi, Andre and Andre. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you guys are joining. Thank you. Pleased to be here, Sakai. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity, Sakai. This is Andre speaking. Hi. Hi, I feel like I should have had like a Andre alias for each one of you, but yeah. I guess we're just going to have to figure it out and play it by ear here. But we're going to call you Andre Squared for now. Thank you again for joining. So one of the things that we like to do in starting this podcast is understanding your background and your journey to fintech. So maybe we'll start with you, Andre, your journey to fintech. And then how did you start? What was your background before joining A55? Sure, Sakai. So before starting A55, I was working at a venture capital firm, which is now called KPPL, which is one of the biggest venture capital firms in Brazil. And before that, I used to work at an asset management firm called Victor, where I met Hugo, which is one of the partners nowadays at the firm. Before that, I was in banking. So I was working for BTG Pactual as a trader. And before that, I used to work in consulting. So I was in strategic consulting. So yeah, so it's been 10 years and five years in A55 since I started. Oh, very cool. Very, very cool. And your role today at A55 is what specifically? Right now, I'm the chief business officer of the operation. I work mostly towards acquisition channels, service providers, and expansion plans that we have. Got it. So I think we're going to call you Andre B for the podcast, business, Andre business. And yeah. <laughs> we're going to switch over to you, Andre Tech, I guess. So tell me a little bit about your background, similar to Andre B. <laughs> yeah. What's your background? How did you get to A55 and your journey in fintech? I started programming very early. I went to financial market really early. I started with quantitative trading. So data was something that I was always up about. And the quantitative trading bias led me to the business perspective so much. So I went on that career basically my whole life. And then we met each other and I went from liquid funds to credit markets. That's why exactly I met Hugo and Andre. And this is pretty much my background, programming data. Now in F55, I take care about products and technology. And that means by a round B series startup, doing a lot of different things just by not the role, but that's what we do. How did you get into programming? What made you be excited about that? Were you just into tech or programming? Like, what was the spark? Well, home computers in Brazil, down in Brazil were yeah. so like a new thing. Yeah. And 
I always was like curious to understand how it worked. And that's pretty much how I got into. And after that, many of my teenage activities would let me into programming, like RPGs and all of these geek games just made me dive really deeply on that. Very cool. So let's perhaps take a step back. Latam has been growing quite significantly in fintech and the whole ecosystem. And I'm really excited to have guests like yourselves from that region. It's a market that I find quite fascinating. Tell us a bit about A55. What exactly do you do? And what is your company's ambition in Latam? I know there's some expansion going on with Mexico. Love to get your perspective on that. Maybe CB. <laughs> yeah, sure. So we are a credit fintech, and we started in Brazil doing loans mostly to technology companies, and then we expanded into service companies and also e-commerces. And we're doing the same in Mexico, so we expanded into Mexico because I think it's the second biggest market in LATAM. So it made sense, and also we had a huge opportunity because there was almost no competition at what we were doing in Brazil and Mexico. So we started the expansion plans two years ago, and we're growing to Mexico and Brazil. And right now, what we're looking at is more markets to distribute our products and enhancing the products so we can serve a bigger market. We started very small, just in startups, because we had great relationship to those companies. And for the last four or five years, then we expanded into different markets and also other segments. What are the other segments out of curiosity? So e-commerce, traditional service companies which have recurring revenue. So we like to work with companies which have growing recurring revenues. And I think that's one of the differentiating factors between a traditional credit fund or a traditional credit fintech and ourselves. We work with revenue-based financing models. So data acquisition is on our core. And knowing how to price it and assess risk from those companies is, is how we differentiate ourselves from other fintechs and credit markets. Would you say that's your main competitive advantage? I'm curious to get a little bit more insight around how you're differentiating yourselves from like the big core banks in your market. Brazil is very concentrated in terms of banks and credit access is really low. So we are working with segments and markets which are underserved by credit. So usually service industries were underserved, e-commerces, and that's mostly because the banks usually did traditional credit, which relied on traditional guarantees, right? And what we do is, one of the differentiating factors is how we price companies and how we do revenue-based financing in Brazil, which is already a differentiating factor. But the other one is how we relate to our customers also. So we relate as being growth partners. So we like to actually invest in companies which are growing and which we are able to support their growth let's say they're big enough to go to other solutions and more structured credit. So we work towards SMBs and companies which are growing. And I think being a partner of them and letting them know and teaching them how they can grow with better economics is one of the factors which differentiate us. And from the banks, I guess we have a much different credit model. And we also have a different methodology how to create guarantees around receivables, which is uncommon in the Brazilian and Mexican market. You mentioned about building them and helping them get ready. Just for listeners to have a tangible example, give me an example of a partner. We may not know them because obviously it's Brazil-based, but just what is an example of a partner that you'd work with today? The companies we work with are, are usually companies which have recurring revenues and how we acquire data. So we partner up with acquirers, CRMs, ERPs, and we also get data from big data companies. So we are able to price those companies. So we partner up with a lot of data companies. This is how we are able to scale 
and look at the companies from a different point of view. Yeah. I'm curious to get a perspective around product strategy specifically as you continue to evolve, right? So I've done some research about your company and how you're kind of evolving your product construct into different verticals and different ecosystems. When does one decide from evolving from building a core platform like yourselves for entrepreneurs versus using innovative technology for things like DeFi and blockchain operations to facilitate a product? That's a great question. I think Andre can answer that. Sure, sure. Well, the first point here is this is something that we do for three years already. So we do price data for three years now. This also happened to us that it, how we underwrite things. So we underwrite our credit. We take control of the risk management using the client's data. So by saying that, when we talk about Web3, when we evolve and create leveraging digital assets, that has 100% thing to do with our business because that's exactly how we price the growth potential. So when we talk about that and we think about Web3, we see how they are correlated because we use their future data to know that the revenue is coming. And so is the Web3 thesis, you know? And then that's exactly what we are doing this for three years now. Yeah. So Web3 comes for us as a great help because it goes really standard. It goes really global. So it's really nice to know that now we can do a data-driven expansion plan because Web3 will make our data get standardized. And, I mean, we do credit. So basically, we need liquidity to invest and make our partners grow. And this, all with the Web3, also help us a lot to make the liquidity achieve these partners. And I mean that I'm really pretending to sell the revenue as digital assets for new investors that wants to achieve different markets, which in Brazil especially is a really concentrated three-mile market, and that's what we feel. Yeah, that's really interesting. I constantly see A55 kind of correlated with underwriting and being a platform, an underwriting platform in Brazil. Obviously, we talked about your expansion in Latin America. But would you consider yourselves a credit assure company? We want companies to grow. The reason that you see us underwriting correlation is very true because we don't want our partners just to get the credit one time because we want to make it keep going. The rich data will keep evolving and changing real time business. That means that we will be always helpful for them because as much as they grow, we will be able to achieve their business need in different levels. So that's how we first seen them. We see them like a continuous partner for the long term. There are some business that started with us that can take like four and five lowers in a year and they grew like three, four times. So that's why you see us so much correlated with underwriting activity. That's, we really want to keep this bond forever. We look for that. So it's kind of like a partnership with your customers. You're working with underwriting as the premise or the main basis to start with. And then you're eventually evolving slowly by slowly with different functionalities with this partner. So you're not necessarily a credit issuer only. You provide credit, Perfect. but you're also providing this different marriage with your Perfect. partners to actually progress and graduate with them into different levels. Is that a fair assessment? It is. Money is need for growth. Yeah. They need investment. So yeah. we believe that credit is a common good. So 
if they have what they need to grow, which is money for yeah. now, but it could be anything related to the growth. It could be a digital marketing campaign. It can be anything that will make his sales data go up. And that's how we see them. And it's not just credit. I mean, we also help companies with different partners. We give them, for example, also some return on their data on, on how they can grow better. And the idea is so that we can partner up and help them through this phase where they're growing, not only with working capital, but also helping them with connections, networking, or, for example, data where it's relevant for them to understand better their business model and how they can grow their revenues. That makes sense. We keep hearing things in media and in thought pieces around LATAM being kind of where Asia was maybe 15, 10 years ago today in fintech specifically. I'm curious to understand what are some of the innovative trends that you're seeing and witnessing in this space in LATAM in general, but also specifically in Brazil. Like what are some of the fintech trends that are impacting Brazil, but also you're seeing them kind of sprout out throughout LATAM? So talking about fintech in general, Latin America has a lot of unbanked population. So you see, and I think that's what's mostly visible here, is also challenger banks, which are going to the unbanked population and also providing basic financial services, which are really unreachable by some of the population, for example, in Mexico and Brazil. So I think most of the first fintech scene was around that. And what we're seeing right now, it's more specific competitors. So working in specific verticals with different challenger banks. And also, a lot of the payment industry has been changing. So we see a lot of fintechs working there, you know, so that they can help different companies with payments. I, I know if you heard about PIX and other yeah. things which are happening in Brazil right now. But there is a big change on how payments are being made. And I think several fintechs are also working towards that. When you say about credit and lending, I see the fintechs have been growing a lot, both in Mexico and Brazil and Latin America, because also access to credit is very hard, both in Mexico and Brazil, for example. So, you know, all the documentation that you need and how you're being priced is very hard. And there's just a few banks, so there isn't that much competition. So I think the fintech scene and the lending scene has brought a lot of competition to the market. And also it changed how companies were able to finance working capital in other different things like ads and projects which usually they weren't able to do that. Interesting. Yeah. So I've also would argue that payments is probably also really innovating a lot of different things within LATAM in general, obviously Brazil and Mexico being like the premier markets in that space. Do you feel like it is the leading trend right now? Or would you combine that with kind of the surge of some of the digital assets and blockchain, Web5? I think it's hard to say what's the leading trend. There yeah. are several trends going on, right? Yeah. So in the payments, there are definitely a trend going on, on innovation, but also in Web3 and DeFi. So, of course, our markets are very smaller markets, right? In yeah. Brazil and Mexico, when you talk about financial assets. And being able to move into DeFi also enables those companies to get better funding, to get global funding, and also to cut off a lot of the middlemen that are between getting the money in, for example, lending to the companies or being able to transform this data that we have into actually working capital or advancements for those companies. So I think Web3 is also a big trend, which is just starting. Yeah. But the payments trend has started maybe a few years ago. Yeah, already. yeah. Just to pivot a little bit, the name of this podcast is Fintech in the Cloud. So I'm curious to understand what role did AWS, LATAM play in your evolution, your development? 
At what point did you identify cloud when you were building with A55? I'm curious to get your perspective on how did that come to play for you? Oh, it's a really great question. And actually, I could say the word crucial, and then I can talk about it. We never be on-premises, so we started in Amazon from the beginning, from scratch. So what that gave us, that gave us a really scalability possibility, and that helped us in many, many senses. That helped us on HR hiring, because many of the serverless products that we use, they require less technical requirement because the product would abstract the infrastructure functions that a developer doesn't necessarily know every time. So... When we talk about hiring, that goes faster. When we talk about cost, it's really good because this is a really innovative business. So we need to scale up and now really based on the metrics that we get back. So when we have like a cloud solution that can easily make us scale up or down, this dynamic let us really think fast and fail fast and try new things in a faster way. And this is exactly what became our key point of success because everything that we try to do now, we test it in a really cost efficient. So any revenue that might come from this product will be so cheap that make it go viable and that make the test go even further. What makes us more confident about what we are doing. So it gives us more lifetime on MVPs because the revenues goes cheaper and we can test until we are really confident. Okay, it's not working. Oh, wow, it's really great. We just need to think better out of it. I'm curious, any particular tools that you feel like have really helped on the AWS side for you guys? Definitely. I mean, we are a really data-dependent company. So when we talk about data integration, it's really cool to understand that Amazon built an internet of shared resources. And that means that if I want to partner up with someone, I would not partner up through internet, but I can partner up in an infrastructure way, mm-hmm. which products that contains data on A55 can reach product that contains data on my partner just the way they are. So when you think about partnering up and get integrated and in data, the IAM product is really cool because you just work out with the same credential system. All you have to do is share your credential and then you become on this really good network. It really facilitates a lot of the technical job. I know you don't have a crystal ball and you can't determine the future, but I'm curious to know in your mind, and this could be anything from what we talked about in payments and the whole surge of Web3 and blockchain, what do you think fintech would look like or what will be driving or influencing fintech in the next five to 10 years in Brazil specifically, but obviously spilling over throughout LATAM? Web3 is a big thing and will be very relevant for the influence of other fintechs or how you are able to, it's able to lower the costs of transactions and we are able to get better data into also the strategy of DeFi will take out some of the middlemen between fund administrators and others. So I think it will enable more competition in the market and also a better penetration in the market. So people will be showing data more easily also. And that's why you will be able to create new products and features which are able to serve underserved markets because I think both in Brazil and Mexico, you you still have really underserved markets. And a few of the points why they are underserved is access to data, access to funding sources, and also the transactional costs. 
So I think that's a big trend probably for the next 10 years. And also the regulation standpoint. So I think a lot has been changing regulation, both in Mexico and Brazil. Mm. We already said something about payments, but there are also regulation around, for example, lending and how you create accounts and everything. So from the regulatory standpoint, I think the bigger competition that's happening in the market will be better for the population and, and the companies. And it will help those companies thrive and the population to get better financial services. Yeah. I read an article, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal or one of the financial or the economists, and they were talking about particularly how Web3 is probably the most advantageous vertical in fintech in markets like a Brazil yeah. or like in Africa or yeah. like a Southeast Asia, markets that are typically underserved, but have different varieties of technologies that they can actually leverage with as well, with blockchain technology behind the ecosystem. So that'll be interesting to see and if that actually comes to fruition. Curious to know if you have any thoughts as well on that. Yeah, I mean, it's about future. And yeah. I can talk about like companies like A55, yes. you know, but we come from technology background. That means that we strive to deliver value to our clients and companies like ours and Web3 at the same time, they will give in the future value to both sides. So they will do something as a service. We yeah. grow as a service and this is will be for the clients and they will maximize this growth value. And that means when we talk about third world economies, a great substantial economic growth. And this is something that drives us really, really, really excited about. And when we go on, on the, as Andre said, on the investor side, that will make these investors that wouldn't be capable of investing in different geographies and that starts allowing this money to reach where it was not possible before. So many companies are like A55 working on both sides of the coin and Web3 interconnect both of them in a really democratic way. That technology really gets use of it. So that's how I see the future. Yes. Very, very cool. Well, Andre and Andre, we have reached the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Where can people find you? People can find us both in our website if they're interested in our services. If they want to write us, is Andre at a55.com. Feedbacks are appreciated. a55.tech, it's our website. My LinkedIn profile, it's Andre Silva. So reach me. And if you think like you have data that can interest to your clients and make them grow, let us know. This is how we achieved what we have. This is great to rely on startup community. Just let us know if you have data and we can work with. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. It was really, really cool to have you guys here in New York City. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, please feel free to leave a review and rating. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please visit aws.amazon.com startups.